following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. To be made to enter into that rest that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I want to talk with you about Jesus, about the deep things of the Spirit, things of grace. Grace, of course, means unmerited favor, but it means much more than that. It's grace, according to Titus, that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to wickedness. So grace is more than just unmerited favor. Grace is the power of God, the the influence of God upon our hearts to cause us to cast away the darkness and say, I don't want to be a part of that. Now, it's the preaching of the word. It's the straight testimony of Scripture that cuts through into our hearts that begins to expose this. Now, what happens if the word of God begins to cut into your heart and you don't pay attention? Then the word of God again comes and begins to cut into your heart, and you don't pay attention. Your heart will become calloused and hard. And the result will be that the Holy Spirit will withdraw from you and allow you to walk forward in your religion with no power in your life. And that's where many of you listening to this broadcast are today. And you have become accustomed to religion. You can argue with others about the meaning of this little deal or that little scripture. You can pray nice little prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. You can pray the same prayers. In fact, when I was a little boy... I always went to prayer meeting, and as I would listen to these older people pray, I would begin to pray along with them because I had memorized their prayers. They said the same thing every time, and my dad would reach out, and he would thump me on the head, saying, Ray, stop, stop. They were praying a scornful prayer before God because they had never been willing to listen and act on the voice of God as it came out of the straight word of God. And my great concern, I'm going to be very straight with you today, as if I'm not always, but additionally straight today, my terror for you is that if you call yourself a Christian— and have not obeyed the word of the Lord as it has come to your heart, you are missing out on the kingdom of heaven. One of the members of the National Prayer Chapel went this weekend, this past Sunday, to another church. And he went because they were having a child baptism or dedication for one of their very close friends. I said to him, how was the service? He said, the service began at 11 and it let us out at 3. I said, that was a long service. Yes, it was a long service. I said, well, then Jesus must have been lifted up. He looked at me with great sadness And he said, no, Jesus was not lifted up. I said, what do you mean? He said, there was no conviction of sin. There was no piercing of our hearts. 
There was no talk of the blood and the cleansing and the washing. I said, well, what did they do for all of that time? He said, well, we had the concert and the music. We had the little skit. We had men patting each other on the back and complimenting one another. We had foolishness. But they were all in church with no conviction of the Holy Spirit, with no repentance, no sign of the blood of Jesus, no power of the Holy Spirit. What do you imagine is the spiritual condition of the members of that church? I can tell you, they are dull. They are hard of hearing. They would become very angry if they heard a straight word of God. And it began to cut their hearts and convict them of their sin. Because they're a part of the casual church. They're a part of the worldly church. They have grown accustomed to having religious talk with no religious power. How do I know when there's power present in the church? I know when there are tears and conviction and changes in behavior. I know when there is confession of sin. That's how I know that there's power. The Holy Spirit is present. If those things are not happening in the church you belong to, you need to leave quickly. If the church is chit-chat, if the church is uh, casual, if the pastor stands in the pulpit and opens his sermon with some jokes, if there's no change of behavior, if there's no weeping before God, you've gone to the wrong place. It's a place that will lull you to sleep until the devil can sweep you into hell. Now, be honest with me. You know what the Holy Spirit has asked you to give him. You know where the Holy Spirit has come and said, stop that. Do this. And you know, if you said, no, I don't want to do that. If you're in that condition today, I want to share with you several passages from the book of Hebrews, and then we're going to dive in. He says, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 11, so may every effort, that is, may earnest effort, may strenuous effort be made to enter into the rest that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. Well, what is the rest? It's the rest of God. It's where you are totally sold out. You are walking in obedience to every command of the Holy Spirit. Your heart may be crushed. Your heart may be weeping. But you're standing by faith on the word of God. You're standing by faith on the promises of God. You're obeying the word of the Lord as it comes to you by the scriptures and as it comes to you by the Holy Spirit. He goes on. The word of God is living and active to make things happen. If you are not hearing an honest word of God, it will not be living, it will not be active, and it will not make things happen in your life, and you will settle in to a dead religion. And will finally be swept into the pit of hell. Hell is going to be filled with people who were Christian. And they're going to be weeping and gnashing their teeth. They're going to be throwing a fit. And they're going to be saying, how could you, how could you cast me into hell, Jesus? I was a follower. How could you cast me into hell, Jesus? Look, this is what I did for you. This is where I served in the church. 
I was an I was an elder. I was a preacher. I did this. I did that. How did I end up in hell? Because you refused to hear the sharp, two-edged sword that pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, even able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You understand, the Holy Spirit wants to expose the intentions of your heart. And if you won't let him do that, he can't change you. As one man said, I know what I ought to do. But I'm afraid to do it because I'm afraid of what it will cost me. I'm afraid I'll lose my wife. I'm afraid I'll lose my job. I'm afraid I'll lose my my friends. I'm afraid I'll lose everything. Remember Jesus said, what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Are you willing to lose your soul for eternity? So that you can reject the word of God to your heart and continue to walk in deadness of spirit? Do you just play with the things of God? And refuse to obey? Well, this whole passage of Scripture takes us to an Old Testament story that I want to share with you. The children of Israel have been brought out into the wilderness. Now, let me say something to you that you may not understand, but you will as we progress through the deep word of the living God today. Jesus always comes first to his people as a wall. Only secondly does he come as a gate. Jesus' first manifestation to you will be as a wall. What do I mean? I mean you will want something and he will say no. Or he will say, wait. A man called me this morning. Very dissatisfied with his job. So he applied for a better job. That paid more money. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And said, didn't I give that job to you as a gift of love? Yes but you're not satisfied? You want more? Why didn't you ask me for more? I would have given it to you. But he stepped out in his own power and grabbed what he thought he wanted. And then he repented. He changed his attitude. He humbled his heart. And he said, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I want the job you want me to have because in that place, I want to minister your word as you call me. I praise God for this man's testimony that he repented for his arrogance of heart. Children of Israel taken out into the wilderness. It's not an easy place. But manna falls from heaven, and it becomes the bread of angels. Perfectly balanced nutrition. Just a touch of sweet, a touch of olive oil. Perfectly balanced nutrition. No sickness among them. Their clothing is not wearing out. Their shoes are not wearing out. They've been walking through very rough terrain. But God is providing for them. But we come to Numbers, the 11th chapter. Let me read this for you. Now the people complained about their hardship in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. 
you can arouse God's anger with you by your complaining, by your refusal to trust him, by your refusal to be satisfied with what he wants to give you. We talked yesterday about the great lie of the story of Adam and Eve and their fall. The devil said, you will not surely die. You will not surely die because if you eat of this fruit, you will have all of the wisdom of God. And now you can make your own way. You don't have to depend on God anymore. You can have everything you want right in your hand. And now you determine what is right and wrong. And they bought it. And today the accusation is, You cannot trust God. He will not give to you, so you must go out and secure it for yourself. And we've been able to secure enough for ourselves that we can live a good American lifestyle. If we get in trouble, we have a credit card. We have paychecks. We can go to the doctor. It seems that we have all of the bases covered. The problem is there is no cure for death at the end of life. 100% mortality rate. What are you going to do when you come to the end of this human life? Look, if you cannot trust God for your livelihood... If you cannot trust Jesus to provide for the rent or the mortgage, if you cannot trust Jesus and not do what he tells you to do, if you cannot trust Jesus in your relationships, how can you possibly think that you could trust Jesus for eternal salvation? And so Jesus is always first a wall to us. We bang against that wall. We want what we want, but we can't have it. And we grow angry and we grow disaffected and we grow distant from God. And we say, I'll go get it myself. And God grows angry with us. He puts holes in our pockets and drains our money away. He puts holes in our pockets and we have the car crash. We have the sickness. We have other events happen in our life and slowly our life drains away until we are nothing. We have no hope. God is first a wall to us. It's at that wall that our character is formed. It's at that wall that bitterness and anger must be laid down. It's at that wall where we must humble our heart before Almighty God. It's at that wall that we learn obedience and faith and trust in the word of the Lord. And it's only after we have perhaps even gone through years of breaking at the wall that Jesus will begin to open the door for us that we could begin to make this journey toward heaven successfully. Now, many of you have Listen to the teaching of Pilgrim's Progress. But you have not obeyed the word of the Spirit to you to come to the National Prayer Chapel because it is too inconvenient for you. As one man said, I'm not sure I can come because I'm driving from the district. It's too far. I said, if it were a redskin game, could you drive that far? Oh, yes. If it were for entertainment, could you could you drive that far? Oh, yes. 
What is it that you value? I ask him. He just looked at me. What is it that you truly want? One family drives to the National Prayer Chapel every Sunday and often on Tuesday nights all the way from Frederick, Maryland. Another dear sister drives from Hyattsville. During the busy rush hour times, it takes her two hours one way to come to the prayer chapel. Well, why would she do that? Why would these people drive from Prince George's County? Why would they drive from Dumfries and and Centerville and Tyson's Corner? Why would they drive so far? Because they want to hear a straight, honest word of God, and they want to be with other men and women who are desiring to get right with Jesus. They want to hear words of confrontation and care. They want people to pray for them. They want to make a change in their lives. They want Jesus. It's not enough for you to just listen to this broadcast because seldom will most of you listen to the entire broadcast. You'll catch just a piece. Somewhere you finally have to put some skin in the game. You have to drive the distance. You have to put down your roots. You have to flee from that worldly church. You have to flee from that worldly life. This one man said, I don't go to church anywhere. My wife does, but I don't go anywhere. I'm done with all the foolishness. I said, no, my brother. Find a place where the presence of God is moving. He said, I'd like that. Please understand what I'm saying to you today. I'm not trying to build some great church trying to change your life that you could walk in holiness before a righteous God. I'd like you to walk in a way that God does not become angry and judge you. Now, there are many places. No, there are some places. There are a few places in Washington, D.C., where a straight, honest word of God is going forth. I can't recommend them. I don't know where they are. I know where the National Prayer Chapel is, and I know what God has said he will do in that place, and he's doing it. So I ask you, Are you going to continue making excuses for why you don't come? God's been calling you. Many of you, he's been calling for a long time. Will you come? Will you hear the word of God? Will you allow the spirit of God to penetrate the numbness of your soul and the dryness and the coldness of your heart, will you let the Holy Spirit have an opportunity in a setting where the word of God will go forth straight and pure and clean with no foolishness? Joyous, praising, but no foolishness, no lifting up of man, no praising of men or women. I'm going to give you the address, and I ask you to pray about coming, and I ask you to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. I've been planting now month after month after month in your heart the Word of God. It's time to gain the harvest of that Word and let your life be transformed by the power and presence of Jesus. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. It's located right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Let me give you the address. 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. Come around to the back side of the parking lot behind the church, and there you'll see a large parking area, You'll see double glass doors and a large sign that says lower lobby. Come in through the double glass doors, ground level. And you'll find the National Prayer Chapel immediately on the left-hand side. Come and join us this Sunday 
We'll begin our prayer time at 12 noon sharp. Come and join us and pray with us. And then listen to the sharing that others will do and share as you are called by the Spirit. And then listen to the straight word of God as it goes forth. Watch what Jesus will do in your heart with explosive growth in Jesus. Now, I know some of you don't want to inconvenience yourselves. Some of you enjoy being a deacon or an armor bearer or some other place, position, and that's your identity, an elder, a pastor. Come as the Holy Spirit calls you. Now in Numbers, the 11th chapter, the people complained about their hardship in the hearing of the Lord And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. It's almost as though it's time for the fire of God to begin to burn some of the outskirts of the churches in America. That men and women could see the judgment of God and seek after Jesus and not after religion. It says, then the rabble began to crave other food. And the Israelites began to wail. And they said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers and the melons the leeks, the onions, and the garlics. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Moses heard the people of every family wailing each at his entrance to his tent. The Lord was exceedingly angry. The Lord said to Moses, tell the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow you're going to eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will eat it. Not just for one day, or two days, or five, or ten, or twenty days. You're going to eat it for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we leave Egypt? And the Lord became very angry. Now Moses questioned the Lord, how is this possible, Lord? And the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. So Moses went out and he told the people, now he sent a wind. And he drove the quail or the chicken, I don't know what kind of a bird it was, in from the sea. And he brought it down all around the camp to about three feet above the ground, as far as a day's walk in any direction. And all that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers. That's about 60 bushels of chicken. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was called Kirboth, 
Kaiboth, Havoth, because there they buried people who craved other food. Graves of craving. Now the story continues in chapter 13. Moses sends out into the promised land spies. They went out and they explored Canaan. They went up through the Negev and into the hill country to see what the soil was like, to see what the people were like. They brought back some of the fruit of the land. One single cluster of grapes. It took two men to carry it on poles between them. They brought pomegranates and figs. They came to Moses and Aaron. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. This is Numbers 13. Verse 27, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. We can certainly do it. But listen. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Enoch. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we looked the same to them. And that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This is a heartbreaking story. It's heartbreaking because it is being repeated in many of your lives. Oh, how, Pastor? Very simply. You have not entered into the rest of God, you have not left your sin. You have instead believed that you can walk in your sin and still be saved. You have believed that God will overlook your sin and your rebellion. It's clear out of these stories that God grew angry with their sin and their rebellion. It's very clear from these stories that the Almighty God of heaven and earth is not going to understand your rebellion. He is going to turn in great anger. Now, because you don't see it, does not mean it is not so. Let me read for you 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Now, please, I want you to understand, I'm, I'm pinpointing this in your heart. I'm pinpointing this in the heart of you who have heard God speak to you and have refused to leave your sin. And you have made excuses for it. You have given yourself wiggle room. And you have said, God must accept me the way I am. God will only accept you in righteousness. 
All the provision for you to be made righteous was poured out on Calvary. The blood of Jesus is available to you. The Holy Spirit is present for you. You can be made righteous. You can overcome all darkness, all sin. You can enter into the rest of God. The rest is literally in the Hebrew, the the place of repose. It is the bedroom of God, but you cannot enter into the bedroom of God soiled with the devil. You've got to be washed and made clean. And will you, as you hear this message today, will you determine in your heart that you're going to go all the way with Jesus, that you're going to lay down this calloused, dull, rebellious spirit. Now listen. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the facts, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. In other words, they were all in the church. They all passed through the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea. They ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Is God pleased with you today? Is God pleased with the way you have turned away from your sin and entered into his rest? Is God pleased that you are seeking him with all of your heart? Or have you gone to some foolish place of cheap religion? Or have you turned totally aside from the church? And now you have your own religion and your own thoughts and your own feelings. Well, guess what? You're not going to be able to save yourself. You are either saved by Jesus Christ or you will not be saved at all. Doesn't matter what you think. It matters what Jesus thinks. It doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what Jesus believes. And if you believe some cheap theology, because it's popular and everybody seems to be doing it, all of the children of Israel rejected except Caleb and Joshua going into the promised land. And then they all died in the desert. Do you want to die in the desert of this world in your sin? You will never be brought into the rest of God until you have repented of your sin and been washed and made clean. You cannot go into the kingdom of God in your dirty filth. He's not going to put a robe of righteousness around you and cover your filth. It has to be scrubbed off by the blood. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Some of you have set your hearts on the professional sports. You know all about them. Some of you have set your hearts on making money. Some of you have set your hearts on having certain friendships. Some of you have set your hearts on doing certain things with your life. Certain entertainments, places you like to go. You've set those up as an idolatrous place, not following the lead and the direction and the voice of the Holy Spirit, but following the lead and the direction and the voice of the unholy spirit, the demon power. All the time you're calling yourself a Christian. All the time the children of Israel walked in the desert, they called themselves the children of God. But their bodies littered the desert. They died out there. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. It is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and then got up to engage in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. You cannot expect to set your heart on pornography and go to heaven. 
You cannot set your heart on going to the clubs and the drinking and the dancing and the movies and the professional sports and the card playing and all the other things that men and women do to avoid dealing with the living God of heaven. You cannot do these things and still go to heaven. It says we should not test the Lord as some of them did and they were killed by snakes. And how do you test God by saying, well, is God here or not? I'm going to have to go get my own car. I'm going to have to go get my own money. I'm going to have to do this and that and this and that. Because God doesn't answer my prayer. Why doesn't God answer your prayer? Because Jesus is first a wall. And he waits for you to repent. He waits for you to confess your sin. He waits for you to obey his voice. Now, you will not do this probably on your own. You're going to need to be in a place where you hear this message consistently and need to be in a place where others are testifying about what God is doing in their life. That's why you need to come to the National Prayer Chapel. You can stay away. But if the Holy Spirit is calling you, you need to come. If you're in a religion church that's ritual and casual, if you're in a church where everything is happy days are here again with all the skits and all the plays and all the music, there's nothing wrong with a skit or a play or music. The problem is when we use those in place of an honest, straight word from the living God of heaven that will convict us of our sin and our true condition before God. You need to come. I'll give you the address again in just a minute. Do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. If you don't stand up under the temptations of Satan, you cannot be saved. What does it mean to be saved? It means to be rescued from sin. Don't tell me you're saved and you're still walking in rebellion against the Most High God. Don't tell me you're saved and you're still walking in sin. What have you been saved from and what have you been saved to? If not to righteousness, then to what? A false Gnostic righteousness that says, I can walk in my sin and, and I'm still saved because God loves me. I'm a part of the family. Are you kidding me? Really? Do you believe that? You've not read the scriptures if you believe that. You can make up your own religion. Many people do. But only one will save you. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come near to the throne of grace. Today, come near to the throne of grace. What is the throne of grace? The throne is where Christ is seated. And his divine influence moving in your life, his his incomparable love moving in your life to call you out of the sickness of sin, out of the destruction of the devil. And the devil comes and says, don't trust Jesus. Don't trust him. He's going to take everything from you. Wrong. He's going to give everything to you. It's the devil who steals and lies and cheats and murders. Not Jesus. 
Jesus wants to wash you and heal you of your disease. He wants to restore you to his likeness. He wants to take you to heaven. And that can only happen as we come to the throne of grace, where the divine influence of God is moving and convicting and cutting through the sin. Now I'm going to open the phone lines very quickly. 877-534-0780. I'd be pleased to pray for you today, to talk with you, to hear about your walk with Jesus. You're welcome to call. We don't have a lot of time. So call and make a quick comment. 877 534 0780. I'm Ray Greenley. I'm the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I'm going to give you the address so that you can come. Many of you need to come to the prayer chapel. You've grown casual. At first you were convicted by the word I spoke, but now you've kind of pulled back. You've backslidden. Come and be renewed and refreshed and changed. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. It's right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel or the Hilton Memorial Events Center. It's a brand new large white church sitting right beside the Hilton Memorial Chapel. Let me give you the address. 148. 51 Gideon Drive. I'll give it to you again. 148 51 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find videos and sermons and messages podcasts. You're welcome to go there and access any of that material free of charge. But if you want the true blessing of God, you need to pay the price, get in your car, invite friends and family to come with you and drive this Sunday to the National Prayer Chapel. You'll find it welcoming but you will not find it entertaining. You will find it convicting. You will find it life-changing. You will not find the biggest and best music program or the biggest and best children's program. As one lady said to me, I don't come to the prayer chapel because I want a social life for my daughter. Well, wait a minute. Don't you go to school five days a week? Don't you have friends? No, Sunday is not for social time. Sunday is to be serious about Jesus and to get right with him, to be washed by his blood. People are so foolish, so slow of heart. I trust that's not the case with you. And I also am welcoming you to contribute to allow this broadcast to stay on the air. Let me give you, while we wait for a call to come in, 877-534-0780. Let me share with you the address where you can write to me. Yeah, five minutes. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I look forward to the gifts you give for the work of the gospel. I believe that the work of the gospel should always be supported by the people of God. Not through fundraising. Not through selling something. So I invite you to send your tithes and your offerings as the Holy Spirit moves in your heart. Now I want to finish this passage 
in the 10th chapter. Let me read this for you. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifice participate in the altar? Do I mean that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And then when you come to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 26, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. As we close out this broadcast today, what is your condition before God? Have you been playing games with the Lord? Is your heart dry as an old board? Have you backslidden? Or is the fire of God in your heart? Is the anointing of the Holy Spirit in you? Have you entered into the rest of God? Or are you just going along with some pleasant religion deal? I call you today to come to the throne of grace, to wake up, to bestir yourself, to pay the price to come and follow Jesus. Two minutes. Almighty God, I've spoken the word that you sent me to speak. I pray, Lord, that those who have heard will be deeply convicted by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I know I'm nothing. I'm the least of all of your children. But, Lord, your word is powerful, a sharp, double-edged sword, dividing bone from marrow. Lord, I know you're looking at every person who listened today. You're examining them. I pray you will not be angry with them, but will move in power to deliver them from their sin, to wash them and cleanse them and make them alive in you, Jesus. Lord, I will look for many of them on Sunday. I pray your blessing now upon this listening congregation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Again, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come near today to the throne of grace. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with